there. Welcome to Beauties and Banter, a lifestyle podcast where we are relevant, witty, and opinionated. Okay, y'all, the banter is brewing. It's time to sip some tea, so let's get into it. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. (laughs) Happy Sunday, y'all. Happy, happy Sunday. Um, we are almost at the end of January. Can you believe that? No, I cannot. I am like in amazement. It was just your birthday. I know. I know. I'm a whole. the first one I haven't shared with you in a while. I know. That was awkward for sure. Not Mm -hmm. being in Chicago to celebrate. Um, so Yeah. We are already just about a month into 2019. So, what's giving you life this week? What's giving me life? In spite of the winter weather here in Chicago that is <laughs> below zero some, uh, and cold and snowing, Ugh. what's giving me life is it still was a good week for me. Mentally, emotionally, financially, like, it was a good Good doggone week. I'm like, yeah, sales were coming in, making uh, it happen. So cannot complain. And um, I'm just grateful for that. So yeah, what's giving you life? So what is giving me life this week is our forever first lady, Mrs. Michelle Obama. Uh, I finished the book, Becoming. And met up with my girlfriends for a book club on Friday. And we had an amazing discussion. If you have not read her book, go, go, go get it. I mean, she is a wonderful storyteller. And you may think you know everything about her life story, her and Barack's love story. But you do not until you read this book. I loved uh, she started from her childhood right up until present day. And I found myself laughing. I found myself crying. I was able to see a little bit of myself in Michelle Obama, especially, you know, as she was coming into her 20s and 30s and through her dating relationship with Barack, um, learned a lot about sacrifices and marriage. And I think the biggest thing is you realize what it takes to really come from humble beginnings and make something of your life and also what it really takes to make a relationship work when you have a willing partner and there is love there and um it's it was it was a lot of a lot in there that I think everyone will find intriguing um, so it was not the biopic I felt like I was going to read it anyway, but I thought it was going to be super basic and telling me something I didn't know and just a bunch of like stories. But there were a lot of twists and turns there, a lot of quotables and life lessons. I mean, I had like my highlighter and my pen out. I was taking notes. Um, so that's giving me life. Great read. That's so interesting because I will be reading Becoming as well for a book club. And so it sounds like we might need to be doing a Becoming podcast. Let's do it. Hurry up and finish so we can talk about it. It won't be till the end of February. So that I'm that our book club is, but we still have our podcast before that. Yeah. Now we can wait because I want you to finish it as well. So we can talk about everything. 
<laughs> and we could talk about how we're becoming. Hmm. I yes. Like I mean, seriously. I mean, you will, especially as some of my girlfriends were talking about, all of the girlfriends in my book club are African-American women, you know, as a black woman, you know, things you can relate to as an educated woman, as someone that's dating or married. And one of the girlfriends in my book club is married. And so, you know, just some of the sacrifices that were made just her thinking about wow you know what if I faced that in my marriage I never thought about that and so it was good 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 good. definitely worthy of a podcast well I'm excited and cannot wait to read it yes so um Michelle Obama is an amazing authentic woman and today we're going to be talking about the exact opposite (laughs) (laughs) we're going to be talking dishonesty and inauthentic people because Renee and I watched the Fire Festival documentaries. So today's podcast is all about you can't win when you play dirty. That was a good segue, Toya. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when they go low, we go high. So, <laughs> so let's talk about it. So for the past few weeks, everybody has been talking about the Fire Festival, the Fire Festival. Because two documentaries were released, one by Netflix and one by Hulu, about the famed festival that never happened. And um, you really got to get an inside look at what it was all about. I mean, I don't know about you, Renee, but I recall when it was all supposed to be going down. So the festival was supposed to happen in April of 2017. I saw it was trending on social media Ja Rule was involved, some involved, somebody named Billy McFarlane. I'm like, I don't know who this is and what music festival. I'm like, is this Coachella? Like, I was like, what are white folks doing now? I was kind of like, <laughs> they always got. They, they were trying to change Coachella and, and give Coachella a run for their money. Yeah, so then, you know, when you heard about it in the news, it was already about lawsuits and jail. And I'm like, they're showing these pictures. So, yeah, quick rundown, and Renee, jump in here too, but it was a festival that was billed as, like you said, the Coachella Overseas, and it was going to be in the Bahamas, and it was this luxury music festival that had all of these influencers behind it, supermodels, um, some popular music, and you were supposed to have this luxury experience, villas. You know, and it was very premier. Um, I was looking at some of the details and tickets ranged from $500 to $1,000, just like general admission. And then they had these, you know, VIP packages for up to $15,000, $20,000. And, you know, those VIP villas was like $250,000 that they were advertising as well, too. Right. So it was this like very expensive event, but they got people going and um and so it was gonna be this big deal and I never heard about it um but you know I guess you maybe were part of a certain demographic and kind of like I said the reason I made that remark well white people doing now only because you know that is who was involved like we mentioned Ja Rule but outside of that all of the artists were you know pop EDM all of the influencers promoting were white. Um, so this is 
something that totally missed my <laughs> my sphere. I never saw it on my social media feed before it became a thing. Um, but it became controversial because people arrived at the festival expecting these luxury accommodations and what they found were FEMA tents, <laughs> no food, uh, band acts that had backed out, stages weren't ready, um, airplane logistics were all jacked up, and basically the day that everybody got there, the next morning they canceled the event. So it was literally people wasted thousands of dollars, right? Which was crazy because the reason why it got so popular is when they thought about this idea, it all started out as an app. Right. Um, so Fire started out as an app and it was to book talent, which I think is a fabulous idea. Mm-hmm. So if you want this artist to come to your house, you just go on Fire app and you say, I want this person for my Sweet 16 party for my kid. So I'm going to book them through the Fire app. So they were like, how are we going to promote this? So they started promoting it. Um, and they had everybody come out to this island. So Billy uh, McFarland, who is the CEO of Fire App, mm-hmm. decided to go and buy Pablo Escobar's island. Right. Um, Private so, island. Yes, in, in Bahamas. And he's like, oh, my God. And he got Ja Rule involved. They teamed up. They ended up making this promotional video to promote it, and they, this is the quote that they said in the um, documentary, we're selling a pipe dream to the average loser. Mm. I was like, wow. Like, from the beginning, it started out as that. Yeah. And they had models posted pics from the party using hashtags. They ended up editing this video and just posting these pictures and so the pictures made it seem like it was going to be more than what it was yeah and that's how all of these people started following and being excited about it and thought it was going to be this big thing meanwhile they're planning this thing six to eight weeks out hello (laughs) so let's stop right there because you mentioned supermodels and influencers i think that's the number one thing so Billy McFarlane was a, a CEO of a business called Magnesis, and he basically had took a debit card and made it out of steel. It would literally be in like taking your debit card, but having it redone with a heavy metal, and then you would now use your Visa card, but it was this Magnesis heavy metal card, but it also got you into this social club. And so he would host these parties and events. So it was like you were in the know. Somehow he was able to raise all these millions. And you're right. He started the Fire app. He got connected with Ja Rule. That's how this thing blew up. Well, because of all their connections, you know, that's how they got these influencers involved. So when thinking about, you know, kind of you can't win when you play dirty, I think the number one um, thing here, a lesson is understanding the power of your influence, right? So Kendall Jenner, Bella Hadid, you know, again, some of these other influencers, Austin Mills, I didn't know them, but they were very popular lifestyle influencers. And then the girls are supermodels. They got involved with this thing and they didn't ask questions. They didn't look into the legitimacy of the event. You know, they didn't say, okay, well, show me where it is and et cetera. They just signed up for this trip and was posting on Instagram using the hashtag. And then when it was time to promote it, they 
They said they paid Kendall Jenner $250,000. One post. One post. One. And you're like, where does that money come from? Good question. Because this guy, Billy McFarlane, was able to raise $4 million just to start it out. And based on the ticket sales and everything, this thing was generating like $20, $30 million. So they're paying these influencers. And, you know, like you said, they were selling this pipe dream to losers. So they dressed it all up knowing that people would want to be a part of this lifestyle. Like somebody said that the video was almost like Instagram come to life. Like all the images you see on Instagram, it made you think, you were going to come to Fire Festival and you were going to, in a sense, live your Instagram life. So I think you have to be careful when you know you have influence over people and you use that influence to prey on people and to get something that you want, but you're not prepared to give them anything in a fair exchange, right? Absolutely. And I just got to say this real quick. On a side note, Mama Chris Jenna, can you just manage me? I mean, <laughs> $250,000 for one post, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the thing about it is, again, you can't win when you play dirty. All of those people who posted about it, one of the outcomes uh, of the festival was that the FTC, now it is against the law for you not to disclose that you are offered a paid, um, you know, that you were paid in a sense for a campaign. So now if you guys look on posts, you'll see people use hashtag ad. Prior to Fire Festival, you know, Renee and I both were bloggers. We would do that, but it necessarily wasn't mandatory. Now the FTC are taking people to court and finding them because this was the perfect example. Some people who bought tickets to this festival thought Kendall Jenner was going to be there, you know, or they're saying, oh, well, if Bella Hadid approves of this, then I'm going to go because I trust her. But Bella Hadid had no idea what was going on. She was just over there in a sense of what they felt was a paid gig and they didn't disclose that. So they, they, in a sense, convinced their audience and followers to go to this event and you did not disclose that, well, I'm promoting this event, so it's not like I'm really organically buying into it. Well, I don't know if they, and, and not only that, they were not, they were having a party, and the party was being filmed. Right. So because they were having this party being filmed, Billy McFarlane, he decided to take that film and use and that footage and use it as a commercial to promote the event mm-hmm. without permission from any every anybody and without context of exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly so that is false advertisement right there yeah it's false advertisement to the people that you have they're just there to have a party it's trying to understand what this is all about but then you go and use that footage to say okay this is what we're going to use to promote yeah, I I am. And, I you know, I think we can speak about it. We like I said, we've been bloggers even now on our podcast. We've had advertisers step to us and it's like, OK, tell us about your product. Let us sample it before we put our personal stamp on it and we put it on our platform. We want to believe in it ourselves because we understand that we do have a level of influence and you want to be responsible with that. 
Absolutely. I mean, because with responsibility comes a lot. You have to be able to protect your brand at all costs. Mm-hmm. So don't think that it did. It probably didn't hurt their brand that much, but I'm sure they lost some followers over it or the next time somebody goes to do something to follow them on, on something, they're going to question it. Mm-hmm. Um, and things of that sort. They may have lost some sponsors over doing this as well, too. So your brand can be affected by your actions if you're not doing the research. I mean, this has taught me, seeing this whole fire Festival documentary has taught me several lessons. And even in event planning, when we had the company Boardroom Beauties, we had to think about how we're going to plan this event, what it took to plan an event. Event planning is an art. And, and that was hard for me to understand. You a lot of logistics. And say, if you don't have experience in it, chances are that you're not going to have, you're going to have a hard time pulling it off. Yeah. It's not just going to happen overnight. People aren't just going to come to your event just because you put it on. Who are you? Well, and not even that, the venue. So I remember when we did our first event and we, we had to sign our first hotel contract. Oh, what do you mean? I can't just bring in any food I want. Oh, what do you mean that only this amount of Wi-Fi will be provided? Like, you know, things you don't think about. And so kind of going back to the fire Festival, like you said, he purchased Pablo Escobar's island. He made this commercial. Soon as the commercial is released, you know, whoever the now owner of the island was, I think they said it was Norman's K. Part of the stipulation with because he didn't purchase the island. He leased it from the owner. Part of the stipulation is that you would not refer to it as Pablo Escobar's private island. Mm-hmm. Once that new owner saw that, he was like, you're out. You violated the terms. So that was the other thing where originally it was going to be on a private remote island. They now had to find a whole nother venue in the Bahamas. And instead of informing the attendees, the location has changed. We'll still be in the Bahamas, except we're going to be on the, the Grand Island of uh, Exuma right next to a Sandals resort they basically photoshopped the image of the island to still make it look remote and you know people had to fly in there and so a lot of the people in the documentary were kind of laughing at the attendees of like if you simple would have did a google search you would have like saw but there were literally people landing and being like this isn't remote this like but that's a good point of he didn't even understand the full logistics before he started planning this you promote a commercial we're gonna be a remote island and then that violated the terms of your agreement yep and then it was funny because one of the and and you know i'm i hate that that happens to people yeah this, co- this comedian, I don't know who the comedian was. He said something that was really funny uh, on one of the night the night talk shows or the talk shows that happen at night. Whatever. I don't know. A night he talk said, show. Late <laughs> night talk show. I didn't even think. <laughs> but he said something um, really funny that the interviewer said, so what do you think about this fire festival? He's like, I think that if you have $10,000 to spend to go on an end, straight desert island or deserted island uh, to go see Blink-182, then you deserve to see what happened to you. Yes. I mean, I was like, well, well, I felt like the church. Well. I mean, you got money to waste, so. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah. And so one thing you said is you feel sad for the people involved. That's the other thing. Um, It was really hard to see how much the employees were in the dark and also the Bahamian people who worked hard to build the festival stage, to set up everything, the hotel uh, clerk, I mean, clerk, the she was the owner of a neighboring hotel restaurant who they had chosen her to be the vendor for it. You know, you feel really bad. So that's another point out of this is you need to keep it real with your team. You know, you need to let people know where things are. And as they got closer to launch date, if you will, so many people were asking questions and Billy just was not being transparent with them. He was lying. Yeah, and that brings me to my point of another lesson I learned is if something seems too good to be true, then it probably is. Right. You know, there was a point where... One of the guys who was kind of overseeing all, um, it was like technical design, you know, it was like, hey, we can't even build the stage the way we thought. We're not going to have this. And so Blink-182 pulled out. Mm-hmm. And like a week before, they pulled out and they posted on social media, letting people know they would not be attending and that the production wasn't up to their standards. And, you know, a couple of the attendees that they interviewed said, you know, that didn't even set them off. It was kind of like, well, maybe they, you know, maybe they asked for something ridiculous or something like it didn't seem like it was something wrong with the festival. They just said things weren't up to standards. And then one of the employees who was responsible for like all the housing and, and booking and arrangements, like you said, they had these villas. He was literally still selling villas that did not exist. They only had agreements with a few Airbnbs. And he was like, you agreed to put up every influencer in a villa or in a yacht. And I literally don't have any more. And Billy was just like, well, just get rid of some of the paying customers or tell the influencers, oh, well. And it's like, you you can't do that. You made promises to these people. And you have to listen. You have to listen to your employees, too, because he said he told Billy, we need a council. This is the situation. What's going to end up happening is people will come and there will not be housing. And he was like, we think positive around here, whatever. And he was just like, I give up then, (laughs) you know, I mean, which is crazy, too, that I remember them saying that they the weekend that they had this event. Um, on Exuma in the Bahamas, uh, where they did ended up having it, is like their Super Bowl weekend. Yeah, it's not Super Bowl per se. It's just a big weekend, like they're expecting large crowds, like Super Bowl. So yeah, there was a annual sales. event, the Grand Exuma um, Regalia. It's like a sailing event that was the same weekend. So everything was sold out. Yep hotels and rental cars and so all these things that they needed that could possibly save this event were already just not going to happen so which brings me to my next little thing that I learned from this is to do your research before you take on big projects yeah spending large amounts of money Mm -hmm. yeah you do and I think too you know when you do your research, 
and something doesn't add up, not be afraid to ask the questions. And so they started talking about how people were asking questions on social media and they literally had instructed the media agency to delete the comments. So people were seeing their comments deleted. At that point, you I'm not even wasting my time getting on a flight. I am right. not, you know, and there were people who did not come. Based on that, there were people who were like, bump it. I'll just file a dispute later on, but I'm not even coming because if you can't even tell me where to fly into, people didn't know where the flights were. When I go somewhere, I am like diligent in doing research, reviews, what are all the details? If I have to buy something months in advance, like a concert ticket or something, you know, I'm going to be diligent in understanding where would I stay? Where is the location? What's around there? Like you said, is it a weekend where something else is going on? What would be my plan B if this conference gets canceled, but I still have flights or if the accommodation that I have there doesn't work out, where else could I go? You know? And that's my next thing. Like you just said, don't be afraid to cancel, but also don't be afraid to, um, dang, I just had it at the top of my head because it just came to me. I was going to say, don't be afraid to cancel and don't be afraid to, oh, I forgot. Shoot. Well, I want to make one comment then kind of going back to keeping it real with your team. You know, Billy had a lot of investors. He had one lady, Carol, who had already invested four million dollars. And then then at the 11th hour, he was able to convince her to give him like eight hundred thousand more. So they said they would tell Billy about this is going to cost this much. We need to counsel it. And he'd be like, wait. And go talk to Carol and somehow would come back and he'd be like, okay, I got the money. Boom. And so this thing just kept growing. And when people invest in you, it's your job to make it worth their investment. Uh You know? And so these people believed in him. The, The guy that was the contracting supervisor who was local there in the Bahamas, you know, they believed in Billy. So he went and got workers. They had people working overtime. Those people were never paid. That restaurant owner um, ended up going into debt. She said she ended up having to use $50,000 of her life savings to pay off for all the food and everything that she had invested. And on the week that the Netflix documentary was released, there was a GoFundMe page released for her. And thank the Lord, it has actually raised over $100,000. You know, because those are the innocent people that got caught up in this. You know, Billy told them, oh, it's going to do all this for the economy. And part of the contract actually stated that this was just the first of three that provided that the first festival went great, that they would bring this festival back for at least three years. So as a business owner, as the department head of tourism, all these people, they went all the way out making sure that the Bahamians were doing their part because they wanted to impress them because they wanted to grow their economy. And he took advantage of that. And he left these people with more debt than what they even started with. And and not only those people as well too, but even his employees, they are still working for him at this point. Mm -hmm. And they see the writing on the wall 
they are reading the emails that were coming across. They're seeing the tweets that are happening. Yeah. Happening. Um, and and my thing is is if you're hired to do a job and you've been paid and you haven't been paid for said job, quit. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what one of the guys said is that part of him was like, well, I still wanted to be paid because I think he was gonna get like thirty percent. Or whatever, and he said he hates himself for it now. But he's like he kept working instead of just quitting and walking out of it. There were some people early on who were like, "I'm out." Yeah, but there were some who stayed. <laughs> One thing I now this was the part of the documentary where um, it's the biggest scene that I guess you can say has gone viral or that most people are talking about. And I have to say, I literally. Had my mouth dropped open for like the next two minutes. Like a new scene has started and I was still like in shock. There's a point where it's festival day and everyone's arriving. And they had shipped in all of this Avion water. Like $250,000 worth of Avion water. That was being held at the border. Because again to your point about as somebody planned events not knowing the logistics... Billy forgot about the duty tax and that if you are importing products, you have to pay a tax on them. So there was like a $78,000 tax on this water and they did not have the money for it. And Border Patrol was holding it. And Billy was like, we need that water. So he called one of the team members and they were like, Andy, we need you to take one for the team. And Andy was like, (laughs) he was like, "Okay, well, well, what is it? He was like, he didn't ask him. He told him, he said, I need, he said, as our resident gay on the team, we need you to go down to the customs borders office. And I'm going to use a politically correct term for this. Give fellatio to the agent so that you can get us our water. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And then what blew my mind is the guy says he couldn't believe he asked him that. And then the next thing he knew, he said, I jumped in the shower. I rinsed my mouth out with mouthwash. And I went down there prepared to give a blowjob for some Evian water. And he was like, luckily, when he got down there, the guy was like, listen, (laughs) as long as you pay me afterwards it's fine but i mean whoa i mean crazy at that point if you didn't see the writing on the wall before i mean like seriously i'm like a i couldn't believe he told him that again not asked told him b i couldn't believe that the man was prepared to do it right like at this point Nah, bruh, you got me messed up. If anything, this is a sign from God that this festival does not need to happen. Or I'm I mean, getting on the next thing smoking. <laughs> when the man is like, he took a shower, I'm thinking he's about to say, I took a shower and I got on a plane. That boy right. said, <laughs> he I washed my mouth out, prepared to go give it. Yeah. And was ready to do it. I don't think so. Not I, said Renee. And so I'm like, okay. Maybe these folks flock together because if you're willing to do that, you just as crazy and dirty as Billy himself, you know, because you don't ask people to 
break their ethics or their morals to take one for the team. Like, that's playing dirty. And the next time somebody to tell you to take one for the team, you better listen to your gut feeling or your inner voice. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm like, define, take, define one. <laughs> um, just so I'm clear on what am I being asked to take for the team? Because mm-hmm. he was taking one for the team, all right. That I had never, I mean, my mouth literally dropped. Like, <gasps> <laughs> Another point that my mouth dropped was when, um, all, so the the day before the the event was supposed to happen, there was a big storm. So yes. you know they, they like Toya said earlier, they had these FEMA tents set up, and they had <laughs> these beds and stuff inside the FEMA tent. So everything got trashed. Like the beds were soaked, the tents were ruined, but they were still trying to put this festival on. So after all of that happened, they finally had to let the kids in and come in. They didn't can they still hadn't canceled it at this point. So now they're um, these people are stuck and then finally they were like, Okay, we gotta cancel this thing. Things started happening where people were carrying mattresses on their head, they yeah. were taking uh, things of toilet tissue, just all kinds of drama going on. They were so looting. they had to get back and fly back home. And a lot of them got caught in the airport and they closed the um, Bahamian people. They closed the airport and locked them inside. What was that about? Because they couldn't control the flights. It wasn't enough flights going out. It was too many people. It was too much going on. So they locked them inside. They didn't have any access to food or water. So which brings me to my next lesson that I learned is to always bring a snack. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't understand. Saying. I couldn't understand why they locked them in, though. They said that they didn't have. A, they couldn't control it. They didn't have enough. There were no more flights going out. There was nowhere else for these kids to go. So the best thing that they thought to do was to lock them inside. Wow. To keep them from going crazy. Right, running in and out the airport. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, they probably would have been tearing up the neighborhoods and stuff. Right. Yeah, and, and so that was the thing. This wasn't a remote island. So they were literally right next to a Sandals resort. Like you said, it was their big weekend. So there was other things going on. So you're right. They probably didn't want to risk this kind of irate group of travelers to kind of run amok on the island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so kind of to wrap it up to uh, you don't want to play dirty because there will be consequences so at the end of the day billy mcfarland is sitting in jail right now <laughs> he was sentenced to six years in prison there was a class action lawsuit filed on behalf of the attendees that was won in a court of law and it was a hundred million dollar lawsuit He has personal lawsuits against him from, you know, just individual attendees. That was a class action lawsuit. He had a fine. He will never be able to hold like a director, executive position. I'm thinking like any type of publicly traded company. Um, The other guy who was on the team, Grant, he was like the chief marketing officer. He had to pay a fine. And he also can never hold a director type position with the public. You know, the FTC got them. The SEC got them. And so ultimately, when you play dirty like this, there are serious consequences. You hurt your chances of ever earning people's trust again or ever operating a business again. 
And you end up in the end paying way more money for the mistake than if you just would have did right in the beginning. And the crazy thing to me is in the end at the meeting, um, someone, they were all on a conference call. And yeah. so one of the guys said, we have to come clean with this and say that this is a fraud. Yeah. And Jarul was like, this is not a fraud. It was just. It was, it was just a lie. He was like, it was false. The guy was like, it was false advertisement. Dude, a fraud is a fraud. A lie is false advertisement. And that's all a fraud. Right. It's, it's all the same thing. Yeah, in Ja Rule's mind, he said, it's not fraud, it's false advertisement. Boo-boo, same thing. Yeah. And, and again, false advertising is not okay either. Like... That's one thing. You know, they did the bait and switch. That's basically what it was. But I think the thing about, I think the thing that made it difficult, and I think from Ja Rule before, he didn't have all the information. I think they were planning on doing it the way that they thought. All of those supermodels, yeah, all of those supermodels were invited back. Kendall Jenner was going to come. You know, they had those acts booked. You know, but... I think because the FEMA tents, I was trying to figure that out because in the diagram, they showed it more like a tent villa. I guess this is a real thing. They have at Coachella and you can have this like tent for the day, but theirs isn't designed to sleep in. They had drew theirs up where it was like you could sleep in it, too. Mm -hmm. And I remember one point the guy was like, we need to kind of issue something with new renderings, like let people know what this is really going to look like. And I can remember if it was because Billy couldn't get the tents or if it was just he was being cheap and got these FEMA tents instead. But they were like little igloos and it was like straight up like air mattresses and it was like nothing like the rendering. And so in that case, that was it was false advertising and you had never any intention on giving anybody this luxury tent like you planned. But everything else, I think they thought they were going to pull off, you know. And they didn't have any villas either. So the villas, too. And then and the boats, that was another thing. They were going to have like these yachts and boats where people could stay on and sleep on. That was another thing that they were going to have. And they so didn't they, have any that. they did have those. So not enough. They did not have enough. You're right. So those were for the influencers and certain people who pay VIP. So if you go on YouTube and just type in like Fire Festival influencers, there are a lot of pieces of footage from because these are influencers. They were live on Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram. So this footage is still there. And as everything is breaking down, this one girl has like a 20 minute deal. And she was one of the ones who was able to get on the boat. And she said that like that second day they told them or that first day they told them like, well, we can go dock and you all can get off on the island. And she was like, no, because they were seeing what was going down on social media and they were so grateful. So they actually ended up staying the remainder of the time. She was like, the people on the boat treated them well. They had food. That was everything that was promised. And they just stayed on the boat the entire time because they saw what was going down and they were like, they, they went in one day and like saw people and it was just like crazy. They went over there, saw everything, and they got right back on their boat, <laughs> you know. Um, but you're right. And there was like one person who actually did like have one of the villas and he had some footage from there. But, you know, 
it was just a mess. Like when people went to check in logistics, they said they brought in the luggage and they just basically like mm-hmm. threw the luggage out of the back of an 18 wheeler, like no type of organization. <laughs> just crazy. I mean, and I think, I think it's just really sad because even when the first time around, after all this was said and done, Billy did go to jail. Yeah. And he got out on bail. And then after he got out on bail, that's when he had, he went and stayed in like this luxury hotel. Right. The luxury hotel that he went to go stay in was friggin' amazing. He had that documented. And once they documented everything, it was like, dude, really? Then he started putting together a plan to do something else. Yeah, he started a. What was that one? He used the same email list to start another business called NYC Events. And he was basically selling things like tickets to the Met Gala, backstage VIP tickets to the Grammys, um, ticket to the Masters, like all of these big ticket items. And it was under another name. And they show him on video. He brought in this other guy, Frank. And he was like... Well, I can't be the one behind it, but I'm going to type up and tell you what to say. And then you just send it. But it was it was a sham, too, because it was them promising people tickets. People would buy. And then at the last minute, he would either like go on StubHub and buy them or say, oh, there are no tickets. Like somebody said, tickets to the Met Gala don't even exist. You have to be approved to come by Anna Wintour. So... Again, preying on people, preying on people wanting to be associated with influencers, with celebrity. I think overall, it just showed us the obsession that people have with fame and luxury that you are willing to throw out every little shred of common sense or dignity you have to be a part of something. And and my last point is that before you partner with someone... Do a background check. Get some references. Yeah. Don't just be all willy-nilly and just say, oh, they've got all these connections. Sometimes that could be, as we saw in this documentary, that could be a lie and it could be a fraud. Right. Exactly. So tell us what you thought. Did you watch the Fire Festival documentary? Um, Have you been duped like that before by, you know, whether it was... A festival, you got scammed out of some StubHub tickets, or you participated in something that was like uh, trashy, and you wanted your money back. Um, I know some friends. Did you report it? Is the question? Yeah, yeah. I know some friends who had a, a recent experience at one of the dinner in Blancs at a city, and they were still like filing to get their money back in disputes because things weren't as they promised. So it can be very unfortunate. And like I say, you can't win when you play dirty. <laughs> and so let us know your thoughts. You can follow us on social media at Beauty's Banter on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Use the hashtag Beauty's Banter to join the conversation. And be sure to share this episode if you really liked it. And Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. We want to get some new reviews for 2019. So if you've been listening and you like what you hear, you have some additional commentary, you just want to give us a shout out, go ahead and easily from your phone, click on review this podcast and leave us a shout out. 